Hello and welcome to the Parenting Severe Autism Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Chamberlain. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. This past week has just been one of those in-your-face kind of weeks. It started out with a home visit from someone who works on the puns list. We live in Illinois, and the list that you sign up for when your kid becomes an adult and needs aid is called the puns list. So I signed him up for that when he was about 18 and a half. We weren't in a huge hurry because at the time, there was a 30-year waiting list for the puns list. And what's the point? You know, so we weren't in a huge hurry, but everyone kept saying, oh, you have to get him on the puns list. Do the puns list. So we did it. And I submitted everything through email and then never heard anything from anybody. A few weeks ago, the speech therapist that our son goes to every once in a while asked my spouse if Jacob is on the puns list. And then he asked me and I said, well, yeah, he's on the puns list. It doesn't matter. It's 30 years. You know, we were thinking we'd be gone out of Illinois by then, you know, but we signed him up anyway. And lo and behold, one of the people from the puns list called calls us just a couple weeks ago. So it turns out that the speech therapist contacted someone she knows and told them about our kid and asked them to check on it. And then everyone realized that they had been calling us at the wrong phone number for all these years. He's just turned 22 in December. I signed him up when he was 18 and a half. The entire world over the past five years seems to have gone to email as communication, except for this. Isn't that funny? Why would you continue Continue to call a number for all these years that you know is not working when you have all of the other contact information. You have my street address, you have my email address, you have several ways to get in touch with us, and you insist on calling the wrong phone number repeatedly. I think that could have been done a little bit better, but hey, at least she called. And so the week started out with a visit from this lady in our home. And these are very difficult visits. You know, you are forced to come to terms with a lot of things things that you kind of push to the back of your mind. Even though you live with the child, you know how basically incapable the child is. You know how needy the child is. And you know that he's aging and you're aging and all of this stuff. But when these visits come to fruition, it's just, it's very hard because you have to start thinking about your own mortality and your child's mortality. And it's just heartbreaking and it's so hard to deal with, with all the daily crap that we have to go through when it's served up on a platter right in your face. It's just really hard. You know, I feel like it puts my spouse and I at odds because we think about things differently. For instance, she asked us what types of services we're interested in when our name is drawn from the lottery, which has now been reduced to five years. And here's the thing too, before I get into the other stuff, he's been signed up for three and a half years. It's not my fault that they couldn't get in touch with me. I mean, it kind of is because I had to change our phone numbers because of all that dangerous family stuff that was going on and I didn't want easy access to us because I was trying to protect our physical and mental states. But like I said, they had all these other ways to get in touch with us. So I really don't feel that it's my fault or my kids' fault that they were not following the proper communication routes. And I think that it's a bunch of crap that he has to wait another five years from last week. They're just now entering him into the thing since our visit. And so now instead of
of a five-year waiting list, it's really an eight-and-a-half-year waiting list, which is still a bunch of crap, and I don't think that was fair. However, that wasn't uh, what really got me down about the whole thing. So the lady asks us what kind of services we are thinking we'll need when the time comes. Will we need therapies? She named all these things. One of them was, will you need residential placement? And as you know, we have struggled with this in the past, and we went through a whole lot emotionally and everything just trying to get him into the ER when we thought we were going to have him stay there for a week or so. Who knows? You know, that was very difficult. We did tour residential facilities around that same time, and it was really hard. So we kind of buried all that, and, you know, the meds have gotten him to a place where we can kind of manage him better, and he's not completely in danger all the time. So we've kind of put that in the way back of our minds, and she asked us about that, and my spouse instantly was like, no, we don't need residential. I will take care of him for the rest of my life, and we don't need residential. And then, of course, I have to, in front of the lady now, say, well, dear, that's for the rest of your life, but he's pretty healthy. There's a really good chance that he's going to outlive us. So we do need to think about residential placement. And, you know, that's just a snowball effect, and it, it ruined the whole day, to be honest with you. So we ended up, yes, we are interested in learning about residential placement when the time comes for us to be pulled from the list. But I had to get her to agree that, yes, this is not a permanent thing. You can put him in and take him out on weekends or, you know, every other day or something. But I was trying to sell my spouse on the fact that this is actually respite and these places could be really good and we can get the reports. As you know, you know, you can get all this stuff. And it's just something that, you know, as a man, especially, he doesn't want to deal with and think about. So he doesn't have all those details. And it was just really hard you know, that went on for about 45 minutes or so. And thank God that was over, but it ruined the whole day. And then while our son was at his day camp for a few hours, we went to this Goodwill type store. And as my spouse was loading the car with a couple chairs that we bought, he pointed at another chair and mentioned that he would like us to take a look at something like that for the sensory area that we were trying to construct in our son's bedroom. And that led to the lady who was at the checkout asking me something about what we were talking about. And of course, I said our son has severe autism. We're building him a sensory area. And I guess he thinks that that chair would be nice. And she, of course, very kindly tried to relate and mentioned a young man who's doing really well after he had a rough time of it in his early years. And he even had a job for a while. And I don't even know what else she said, because when that happens, I instantly just hear Charlie Brown's teacher and nothing makes sense to me after that. You know, I I know it comes from a good place, but it is also a kick in the gut. So then she goes on to mention that a neighbor of hers has Asperger's and boy, he's just so awesome. He builds computers out of scraps for less fortunate kids all on his own. He came up with that whole idea all by himself. Again, is this over yet? Please be done now. I do not care. This is, <laughs> it doesn't help me. It all, it doesn't do anything but shine a light on everything that my kid does not do and that my life is not about. I don't, I don't want to hear it. And I know that's probably rude and selfish, but hey, after a visit like what we had the day before that, not interested. Trying to recover, trying to function, 
don't need input. Shortly after that, I think it was like the next day, a neighbor and longtime friend of the family, someone who's known my son longer than I have, was driving out of our neighborhood and we were taking a family walk and she stopped and mentioned that she was going to see all of her grandkids and give them an early Valentine's and they were going to have so much fun and do crafts and who knows what else. Then as she was getting ready to drive away, she said, yeah, grandkids are so awesome. Wait till you guys have some. They're so great. And drove away. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to explain. I'm sure that you understand. (laughs) And um, so then the next day we take our son to this gym that we got a membership to because he needs more exercise than what he's getting. And they have an indoor track and an outdoor track. And that's one of his favorite things to do is run on these running tracks. So I thought, oh, great, let's do that. They also have where you can play basketball or volleyball and all kinds of great stuff. So he and his dad were going to have some father-son time and I was just going to have some me time. And the first 20 minutes, or so, you know, that's all family together because we're trying to get him regulated. And I'm trying to keep my distance so that he can get used to just, this is just you and your dad with basketballs. Um, But he knew I was there. I was just trying to stay far away. And as I'm staying far away, he's over, you know, trying to fill the entire gym with himself and his voice and his stimming and everything. And we're just trying to give him his space and let him figure it out. And this guy, I guess he's the janitor there. He's a really nice young guy, you know, he says, Oh, somebody's excited. And I wasn't even paying attention. I just, I knew that he said something and I was like, what? He said, somebody's excited. And I'm like, oh yeah. And you know, I'm freaking out internally because of his antics. I am not trusting that this is going well at all. It could go off the rails at any minute. And I didn't want to bring attention to the fact that he was excited or whatever you're going to call it. I just want him to regulate quickly and I know it's not going to happen. I know that if he tries to run, he'll go out these doors and these doors just lead to the track. And there's really no way for him to get out of that area without working really hard. So I wasn't too worried about that, but I was worried about him slamming his head into the wall or into the bench or, you know, stuff like that. So I was in a different world and this poor kid's like, oh, somebody's excited. And then he had to repeat it. And then I said, yeah. And he's like, I used to work at this acronym and I don't know what he said. I'm like, oh. Okay. He's like, it's for special needs. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Great. I'm glad. He's like, he's special needs, right? I was like, yeah. Severe autism. Severe. And he's like, okay. And turns out he's going to be a good contact. He understands. He he saw us again and, you know, he's very friendly. But at the time, with all the other things that had been compounding on us that week, I was not ready for that input. That was rough, you know, and the week was only half over. I think that was about the last thing that happened. And it just reminds me, I'm, <laughs> you probably noticed by now, I've called this episode Typicals Say the darndest things. And all of these weird things that I just told you remind me of stuff that even I and my spouse have said and other people who know my son, well, like that neighbor, that was weird, without thinking. And here's a funny story of 
few years ago when this all happened, really everything went really bad, really wrong, really fast. And we realized that his dad had to quit the workforce and stay home because I couldn't handle him. I started going out and interviewing for jobs and I interviewed at a school near here and it was for younger children. And I was really excited. I always thought having a job at a school would be pretty cool because of the schedule. So I was really excited about this job and I really thought that I was going to get it. I was unbelievably qualified for this position and I was really looking forward to the opportunity to be around neurotypical children here and there. I I wasn't going to be a teacher. I was just going to be a secretary, but you know, they come in and out and you need to help them. And I was just really looking forward to that change. And I was so excited during this interview. And I had mentioned our son a couple times and um, their final question to me... I didn't get the job. Um, Their final question to me was basically something like, well, what's so hard about your kid with autism? What what do you think is the hardest part? (laughs) So I was quickly calculating in my brain, um, don't mention the abuse. Don't mention the self-injurious behaviors. Don't mention the eloping and running into oncoming traffic. Don't mention the exclusion that we experience. Don't mention any of this stuff. Try to sum it up really quickly and don't make it too heavy because they're not ready for it. They're not going to understand. Oh my gosh. Just try to sum it up and keep it simple and just get through it. So I said, he just won't listen. (laughs) Duh. Of course. And they looked at me. I could see they tried to hide it, but they looked at me like, well, he's a kid. None of these kids are going to listen. You're going to be terrible with these kids. You know, so that uh, (laughs) that happened. So I'm a typical and I say the darndest things as well. It's not just people outside of the family. You know, I just I got to tell you, after a week like that, that I just described to you, I uh, I'm very aware of how tired I am. You know, I'm man, I'm so tired of being abused. I'm tired of being terrorized. I'm tired of being clawed at and pawed at and, you know, having to bend to his every whim. I'm so tired tired of feeling like a chump. You know, when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, I was in uh, several teen groups, the kind of groups that are supposed to keep you out of trouble and off the streets and stuff. In those groups, one of the main focal points of conversation was always abusive relationships, how to recognize an abuser, how to recognize an abusive relationship and how to avoid it. And it was hammered on all the time. And I have always been very aware of that, you know, and I don't have an abusive relationship because when I did meet people like that, I instantly recognized this is not good. I am worth more than this. I'm gone. And now I am in a relationship with the love of my life, my absolute soulmate. And even though during the younger years, friends of the family who knew Jacob before I did would ask me, how's it going with Jacob? And I would say, he's really great. I know, I know he's got autism. I know everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be so hard, but really I feel like he's my soul child. I have my soul mate and I have my soul child. He's really good for me. He's not that complicated. We get along. I understand him and he's a great kid. That's what I used to say, you know, and then enter the conversations about abusive relationships. I went for all these years believing that, man, this kid is really cool. He's awesome. Yeah, he's got problems, but I get him. 
you know? Now, years later, he's punching me, choking me, breaking his dad's ribs, hurting himself, beating up the house, breaking everything that we own, pulling out my hair, destroying my computers and our musical equipment and woodworking equipment and anything he can find. And I feel that he is an abuser. He's everything that I ever learned to stay away from. And I mean it. He will abuse you and then he'll be so calm and so kind and so sweet. And if he had the capacity, I'm sure that he would bring me home flowers and chocolates. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean it. All the classic signs of an abuser, you know? And here I am trying to deal with it because he's sitting there nice and calm and sweet. And I'm still enraged and exhausted and deflated. And everything that I had planned for myself for the day is gone because of his abuse and my reaction to it. And it's my reaction is the only thing that I'm in control of and I can't control it. I can't not be deflated. I just can't figure it out. How do I stand up to this bully every day and still want to go to the gym and be chipper and help people at work and do all this great organization and cleaning and everything that I have to do and all of my ambitions? How am I supposed to do that? I can't. And I'm tired. I'm tired of my time not being my own. I have to wake up at the ass crack of dawn. I mean, the sun hasn't even thought about coming up yet because I need a little bit of time by myself before he starts torturing me. Yeah, we have good times. He makes breakthroughs. You know, we had a recent breakthrough, which was really cool. I'll end it with this. We've been watching, we've been using this app called Peacock on our Fire Stick. And it's kind of like, I think, NBC shows and older stuff too. And we've been kind of getting into the older shows that we used to watch when we were kids. So um, we were watching an episode of Married with Children. Jacob came down in the middle of the show and decided that he would stand there and watch the TV. And then he sat down. And the part that he was there for was that Al Bundy, the main guy there, had brought home a dog whistle. They have this dog named Buck, and he's really lazy and he never moves. He never comes when he's called. So he brings home a dog whistle. He says, this is so Buck will come when you call him. And he blew the whistle and the dog laid down. And Jacob said, he didn't stand up. And then he said, he going sleepy. And I thought that was awesome because we just had a breakthrough in comprehension, right? Because no one explained it to him. He just watched the show and understood what was being said. And then he reacted appropriately. And it was really awesome. So that was pretty cool. And once again, I am out of time. Don't forget to check out psa.buzzsprout.com for all of the new developments with this podcast. You can also email me any questions, comments, concerns, or anything else that you'd like to talk about at contact.parentingseverautism at gmail.com. And feel free to leave any comments on this episode on the Facebook page that I'm going to post it on, which is the Parenting Severe Autism Podcast Facebook page. You'll be able to find that just, I think, by searching it. So it's tough, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one who's exhausted after all these years of fighting for this kid's rights. I know you're right there with me, and if you're not right now, you will be soon. You hang in there. You're a superhero. Superhero.